I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is Fifth Element CBD. Fifth Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, aka 5E, is full-spectrum high milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off. Half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp and get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Over the Monster podcast. 
as is the case every week, it is me, your host, Matt Collins, uh, but we have a little bit of a shift this week. Brian is on vacation. He is enjoying the island of Martha's Vineyard for the week, and so rather than take a week off, uh, Jake, our friend Jake Devereaux, has decided to join me again for his second podcast of the week. And it's a little reunion for me and Jake. We used to do this every day. We haven't done this in a long time. Uh, what's going on, Jake? Not too much, man. I'm pumped to be on the podcast. You know, just finished. Uh, I'm a teacher, so just finished my last day of school today. So feeling kind of rejuvenated by that whole thing and uh, ready to be in baseball mode. So, And it's nice to hear that Brian has decided to go to the second best island on the Cape this weekend. So <laughs> that's cool. Well, Brian's probably not going to listen to this, which is good for you, because he would be hearing about this comment, about that comment. But we will uh, we'll let him live in ignorant bliss. I've never been to either of those islands, so I have zero opinion on the matter. But um, Yeah, I have Brian no opinion you. either. I just like to tease Brian, so, you know, I actually... Don't we all? I don't have the type of coin that it takes to uh, <laughs> to travel to Nantucket in, in Martha's Vineyard, so, you know, I'm a... I'm a portland maine guy when i when i travel so that's absolutely right go north not east or south there i don't know what they are from you (laughs) yeah east i guess (laughs) all right um so that's our brian update for the week uh but thankfully we're not gonna spend too much time talking about brian um we will be talking about the red sox who have had quite the eventful last week or so been very up and down um we are recording this about an hour or so, hour and a half before Tuesday's game, so we don't know what's happening in this opener against the Braves, but uh, the last we saw of the Red Sox, they were walking off the Blue Jays on Monday in a pretty wild game, um, but before we get to any of that, there was a little bit of roster movement before that Monday game. Um, Red Sox have been shuffling like crazy through the bullpen, um, trying to find some fresh arms. Ryan Weber got the call on Sunday. Uh, really had to eat just a terrible day for everybody um, on the Red Sox on Sunday. Gave up 11 runs, but did give them five and two-thirds innings and was rewarded by being designated for assignment, uh, taken off the 40-man. But um, rather than getting another fresh arm, they actually went with the position player, called up Michael Chavis, and then they also made a minor trade with the Mariners to fill that spot in the 40-man. Uh, they acquired Yaxel Rios, who is a right-handed reliever, uh, grabbed him from the Mariners for cash considerations. So a um, little bit of movement on the margins of the roster, which we've gotten used to over the last couple of weeks. But uh, let's start with the Chavis part of this. I think that's easily the most interesting name on this list. Um, you... Good with Chavis getting the call over Franchi Cordero, who's been mashing in Worcester since he's been sent down, or even Jaron Duran, who obviously people have been wanting to get called up since spring training. Um, you good with Chavis getting that call? Yeah, yeah, I am. And and I'm not a big Chavis guy, as you know, Matt. You know, we've talked about him ad nauseum over the years. Um, but, you know, I, I actually think that what Chavis gives you with the bat is a little bit more predictable than what... Cordero uh, gives you, and I think that they're still waiting on Duran. I, I, I think they'd like to see a little bit more from him. Um, I'd have been good if they called up Duran. That would have been exciting and, and fun. Um, but, you know, 
Javis, it's crazy to say, could could bring a little bit of offense to this team um, with the way that Marwin is hitting and, you know, the inconsistency from Dahlbeck. He's been better as of late, but, um, you know, Kike hasn't been so good. There's been a lot of kind of rough hitting at the bottom of the lineup. So, um, you know, I think if you can get anything out of Chavis, uh, that's a positive. I didn't even mention how bad Danny Santana's been as well. Uh, he hasn't been very helpful. So, you know, there's there's kind of a lot. And you know what? This is a this could also serve as a little bit of a pre-trade uh, deadline showcase for Chavis. See if, uh, you know, other teams can take, take notice of him at all. Yeah, I didn't really consider the trade angle. Um, I think I've kind of... I mean, I could see him being traded at the deadline. It just seems like him and Dahlbeck um, both seem like trade candidates for the offseason to me more than the summer. But, I mean, it does make sense to give him a little bit of showcase there. Um, I mean, I am I definitely would have rather have seen Duran. I know. I wasn't expecting it. I know that they want to see more. The strikeouts are up. The defense can still use work. I still think that he's one of the 26 best players in the organization and should be up. But, um like I said, that wasn't really something I expected. As far as Chavis versus Cordero, I don't think I really would have cared much either way. Um, I'm definitely higher on Chavis than you are overall as a player. Um, but I think Cordero... I don't know, it's weird. I'm not really high on Cordero, and I'm higher on Chavis. But at this point, I think Cordero might have provided a little more of a spark. Um, just if they're looking for some energy at the bottom of their lineup, something to kind of spark that group that has just been kind of stagnant for so much of the year. It feels like Cordero has more of that potential to me, but I don't think that there's that much of a difference. And I think the thing that works in Chavis's favor over someone like Cordero is just that he can play the infield and he can specifically play first base. You mentioned Bobby Dahlbeck. I think he's, I mean, he's playing every day, whereas some of these other guys are not, but Dahlbeck seems to me to be the guy that I'm most concerned about. Um, so Chavis can spell him, which I think gives him the upper hand. But um, like you mentioned, all those guys, whether it be Chavis or if Cordero had been called up or Dahlbeck or Christian Arroyo or Myron Gonzalez or especially Danny Santana, it just feels like at least one of them is just holding the seat warm for Duran. So um, I don't even know that this is going to be a long-term call-up, but um, I can't really complain, especially, I mean, Chavis was the best hitter in the entire organization last week so they're getting him while he's hot so you might as well might as well give him a chance give him a chance in atlanta he's a georgia kid so i guess i see it yeah also uh gives us a chance to see some electric press conferences from uh chavis so he's been i don't know uh, that chavis is i don't know that chavis is getting the press availabilities but <laughs> unless he gets a big hit somewhere i would be i'd be surprised if chavis is one of the guys getting the press availabilities uh we'll see I have enjoyed his uh, his candor, uh, you know, at different points when he's been personality wise. Personality wise, he's definitely like top. I don't know five on the roster um, right now. I mean, he doesn't get much better than him. It's just you got to play to be able to get your face in front of the microphone. Yeah, he is not uh, JD Drew. He is not Andrew Benintendi. <laughs> he has some real charisma. I think Ben Tendi had a little charisma, not as much as but a little more than J.D. Drew. I think there was a little distinction there. Mm-hmm. Um, were you surprised that they didn't just go with another fresh arm and keep that shuffle going on to the bottom of the lineup? Um, they actually went back to a four-man bench. Did that surprise you? 
Yeah, it did actually. Um, in in particular, because we're drawn to the close of this seventeen games uh, in a row stretch, um, and the way that the starting pitching has been getting rocked lately in June, um, that definitely did surprise me. You know, a couple of the names that I had an eye on that I thought they might add uh, was like uh, Ort. Caleb Ort, I thought they might add him, bring him up. Kevin McCarthy was another one I was looking at. Marcus Walden, maybe. Um, somebody like that I was kind of looking. Or, or John just, Schreiber, too, was another guy that has been yeah. pretty well down there. Yeah, Schreiber. Um, and the other guy I was thinking is just, like, bring Phillips Valdez back up without, you know, doing anything. Well, I don't think they could do that. I don't remember when he got sent down. They have to wait 10 days. Um, to bring him back up unless somebody goes on the injured list. Oh, yeah. It's only um, been five so far. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that's right. They can't do that yet. So that um, that was kind of what I was thinking, too. The more I thought about it, the more I think this makes a little more sense. Um, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if Chavis is only up for these next two games in Atlanta. Um, the bullpen is relatively rested despite how bad the rotation's been. Um Barnes and Taylor were the only guys to throw on Monday. Nobody in the bullpen, nobody who's in the bullpen right now threw on Sunday, and Brandon Workman was the only guy currently in the bullpen to throw on Saturday. So for as bad as the pitching has been, they actually have a very rested bullpen, and obviously they're playing in Atlanta, so that means nationally gruels, which means pitchers hitting, which means having that extra bat on the bench for pinch hitting kind of comes in handy a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't be super surprised if they bring up a pitcher, send Chavis back down, bring up, I don't know, Valdez should be able to come up at some point this weekend, um, maybe call up Rios for like a day or two to bridge the gap and then send him back down for Valdez or something um, to get that three-man bench back, which I don't really like the three-man bench, but I, I'm, I was just, it doesn't seem like they... Nothing really indicates that they want to get rid of, move on from the three-man bench in any sort of long-term sense. So um, the only thing that really makes sense to me is that they just are using this in the National League Park for a couple of days. And then um, Chavis will be back to Worcester and we'll be back with that miserable three-man bench with the (laughs) huge bullpen that they don't need because there's always some guy who doesn't pitch for like two weeks at a time. It really drives me nuts. The three-man bench with no offense on it except for Kevin Blackie. Who's like the best bat <laughs> yeah. on that bench? <laughs> that is sadly accurate. Yeah. God. Um, God, I didn't even put that together. But yeah, I mean, Danny Santana doesn't need to be here anymore. Can we just move on from that? I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's Jaron Duran's spot. It's nice of him to keep it warm, but you know, it's <laughs> come on, man. I mean, literally anybody. Honestly, if they were going back to the three man bench, I would not hate it at all if they just designated Santana rather than optioning Chavis. I don't think that's going to happen. They haven't really, Santana hasn't really played a ton. Um so I guess they can hang their hat on that, but there's just nothing I've seen from him indicates that he's going to be part of this team long term. That 2019 season from him is looking mighty fluky. Yeah, that was the thing with the whole um with like, I don't know, I got called out for saying that people were excited and I guess people weren't actually excited, but people were like looking forward to his call up and like as something that could help the team and it was i don't know it just always seemed pretty clear that he just kind of stinks i mean that's what it is he's better than me other than that but (laughs) i don't think he's a major league player and i i don't know we're getting off topic but yeah danny santana's 
spot on this roster is kind of wearing me thin. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, so with Ryan Weber, um, like I said, he really had to eat eat a really bad outing for the team. Um, did not really get a fair shake. Was designated right after he pitched, which I think everybody kind of saw it coming. But it always kind of sucks to see a guy have to do that. Um, but let's uh, Weber is part of the rotation depth, which is kind of a mess right now. Um, Tanner Houck is going to start pitching at some point, I believe, this week. But he's still um, he's still working his way back. He definitely wouldn't be able to come up to the majors right now. If there were a, if one of the starters were to go down, say someday this week, knock on wood, obviously, is Weber a candidate to come back up and take that spot, even after how poorly he pitched in that outing? Who who would you look at to take that spot, if, assuming Helk is still not ready, which he's not going to be for a little bit? Yeah, I don't think so. Um, I think you would turn to. Someone else, maybe like a Steven Gonzalez, uh, add him to the roster. Um, maybe Kyle Hart, who apparently was dealing with some stuff last year when he's or two years ago, I guess, when he wasn't very good. I or actually, no, it was just last year. Yeah, no, it was last year. year. Um, wow, feels like two years. <laughs> um, either of those two would be a lot more interesting to me. I've actually seen Rainel Espinal pitch a couple times too. Um, I would be more content with him. Um, and then also like, I think that there are a bunch of more capable arms, uh, than any of the triple a guys down at double a right now who are kind of interesting, like Josh Minkowski having himself a season. Um, cutter is not as interesting and I'm not sure he's really a major league pitcher. I think he's hurt right now too. Is he? Okay, I didn't know He hasn't know pitched that. in a while. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I guess like just on ability, if I was ranking them on ability, the guy who I'd want to see is is Josh Winkowski uh, down in AA. Um, but I, I think that it would be more likely to be one of those other guys. I mean, the thing with Ryan Weber, man, is just he is not – he's not even a major league villain. You know, he is, he is custom built to – eat a turd sandwich and get blown up for 11 runs in a major league game. <laughs> One um, of the meanest things I've ever heard anybody <laughs> say about another human being. But okay. <laughs> I mean, he's just awful. He is he is so bad. Um, the stuff just does not play at yeah. all. It, it's just, you can't even fake it, man. You can't even run into an outing where you're like, oh yeah, this looks okay. Like, No, it's horrifying well, I, from the time he gets that. in the game. He's had some... And- I'll preface this by saying I also do not want to see Ryan Weber back up this year. Um, he's had some moments over the last couple of years with the Red Sox, where he, especially out of the bullpen. Um, I think it was last year or two years ago. He was actually like pretty decent in a long relief role, but his numbers got all screwed up by a couple of starts. But, I mean, I, I agree with your general point. I don't think he's a major league pitcher, and he's, he's a guy that you want on a team like the 2020 Red Sox um, that are going nowhere fast and just have <laughs> – just need bodies. Uh, the Sears team should not be having Ryan Weber. The issue is I don't really know that there's – sorry, dogs are going nuts. Um, I don't really know that there is much better um, answer there. I mean, I think Gonsalves is probably the guy I would go to. I have my questions about him, but I think his stuff at least plays up a little bit um, where I can see him having some su- success in the majors. I – one thing that's interesting about him is that they've been using an opener in front of him 
for his last couple outings in Worcester, and that's been kind of that's definitely something that's piqued my interest because they haven't been doing that with anybody. So I wonder if that I kind of think that is the plan that they would call him up and throw an opener in front of him and then just hope that they can get four innings out of him, which seems fine. I mean, it's considering the other options. I I think Daniel Gossett would probably be my second choice, which is not a great choice either. Um, Matt Andrees, I think, was the guy that I would have assumed it would be, but he's not filling me with any sort of confidence that I want him in that role. Garrett Whitlock, I don't see them putting him in a starting role this year. They're going to try and limit his innings. So um, I think it would be kind of a patch and play, whatever they do, whether it be Gonsalves or somebody else, and maybe throw an opener in or only look for three or four innings for whoever they do call. But um, that is sort of a looming issue. I mean, the rotation has been... Healthy and again, knock on wood. But if that changes before Tanner Hout comes back, um, yeah, the depth is the depth is a little rough. Yeah, it is, um, and it's just it's poor timing, I guess. That you know Tanner Hout and Connor Siebold, the two most obvious uh, and six Brian and seven Mata starters. Too. Yeah, Brian Mata as well. Um, you know, even Thad Ward going down, he would, he would have been a long shot, but still. Um, you know, their, their depth has really taken a hit. And I, I think I felt so much better about the depth uh, at starting pitcher heading into this year. But it's just evidence. I mean, you can never never have enough starting pitching. Um, yeah, I agree with you, though. I think that uh, Stephen Gonsalves is, is the most interesting guy there. Um, the walks have been a little out of control at Worcester uh, this year. But I think this stuff is, is pretty good. And the reports on him have been pretty solid. So it'll be interesting, at least. Yeah, he got some. He was getting a little bit of hype at the alternate site uh, last summer. I think that's kind of faded a little bit, but still, considering the competition, I think that's um, that's probably who you look at. Uh, so the other piece of this roster shuffle on Monday was uh, Yaxel Rios coming over from the Mariners. Um, Rios is not really a young guy. He's 27. He'll be 28 before the end of this month. Um, he's bounced around the league a little bit pitched 72 and a third innings uh in the majors in his career across five different seasons as a 6470 RA. Um any thoughts whatsoever on Rios? Um we don't really have to spend too much time on him. Figured <laughs> you should get a mention. Yeah, I, I don't have any thoughts other than, you know, there must be something that Bloom and them have seen uh on advanced metrics, whether he spins the ball well or, you know, I, I don't know, some attribute that they saw that they like that they think is a little bit of a ball of clay that maybe they can get something out of. Uh he's still young ish. He's twenty seven, so um and he throws relatively hard. So I mean, I don't know, it's kinda interesting. Um why not? It's cash. Yeah. Red Sox should be taking moves like this when they can. Uh, so I, I get no issue with it. But no, I'm not so expecting they, anything. Yeah, the cash is certainly not the issue. It's, I'm assuming it's a minimal amount of money. He had been designated for assignment, so they were just kind of jumping ahead of the waiver line. Um, so I will say about Rios, he has been very good at AAA this year in a small sample. He's got a 0.66 ERA in 13 two-thirds innings. Um, he's got Let's see, 17 strikeouts and two walks, which is obviously outstanding. Um, I get the sense that he's probably not long for the 40-man. I would not be surprised if he's designated, I mean, within a week. Um, 
maybe not within a week. I guess they won't need that 40-man spot. But they're going to need some 40-man spots soon with Chris Sale coming back later this summer and Jaron Duran coming back whenever and Ryan Brazier hopefully coming back at some point and whoever else they may want to add, um, whether it be a Caleb Ward or somebody else. So they're, they're going to need that 40-man spot. I feel like he's immediately on the chopping block. So I think they looked at him as a guy. I think they did probably like some of the stuff. Uh, but I also think they look at him as a guy that they can turn around and designate pretty quickly and probably keep him in the organization. So um, that's my expectation, which is not a very high one. But I I would be surprised if somebody else was designated in front of him on this roster. I don't know who else would even be an option. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and you know, it is kind of interesting. His uh, career fastball velocity has been around 95, and this year it's up to 97. So that is uh, something something to watch for at least. Well, maybe he's using some of that sticky stuff. Yeah, spider tack, man. <laughs> which brings us into our next topic, which is uh, the media running amok. Um, the Red Sox rotation been one of the reasons why they have been hanging around first place pretty much all season, um, totally defying my expectations, most people's expectations, both in terms of health and performance. Um, but then last, I don't know, 10 days or so, Things have been bad. Um, Nathan Evaldi's Monday start, notwithstanding, I mean, everybody's kind of struggling. Even somebody like Garrett Richards, who's getting pretty solid results, um, he's walking a tightrope every time he goes out. He's allowed double-digit base runners pretty much every start. Um, They just don't look as sharp. They don't look as good. Um, And this sort of snag in the road has coincided nicely with the league announcing that they are going to start cracking down on the aforementioned sticky stuff, the spider tech, uh, the substances that I'm sure you've heard all about. Um, Leak announced today that they're going to start handing out suspensions if they find stuff on pitchers. Um, and with the timing of the Red Sox struggles, they've there have been some in the Boston media and national media connecting the dots and saying they must have been using this stuff and they're they're not using anymore and that's where the struggles are coming from is that is that at all fair yeah so i think it's completely unfair from the media and i also think it's very lazy journalism uh to just go out and make that connection that you know because the rotation is struggling that you know obviously they're cheating again um and you know it's it sucks because the easy thing to do would be to actually you know, do your job as a journalist and go take a look at the readily available data and the spin rates that's provided by Baseball Savant and make the connection. Like, look, you know, look at the rolling game spin rates. And if you see anything fishy, um, make that connection and bring that to light. But if you're seeing no connection at all, uh, which, you know, Chad Jennings looked at this a uh, couple days ago, uh, Alex Spear looked at it today as we're recording this. Uh, there has been no connection. So there, uh, I don't know. I, I don't buy uh, that that is the reason for the Red Sox struggles. I very much agreed with your article uh, that uh, you put out um, that the simplest explanation is probably the truth here. Um, that, you know, this, this rotation has been overperforming all year long. Uh, Martin Perez with a 309 ERA uh, headed into his last two starts. Probably not what he should be doing. Nick Pavetta, been walking a tightrope all year. Erod has not been himself all season long. So it's like, it's not a shock that in the toughest stretch of the season, probably, that they'll have all season, that 
towards the end of that tough stretch, you know, things starting to fall apart a little bit. That's no surprise to me. Yeah, so I think what I will say is that it is fair. It it was fair for the thought to cross people's minds. Um, it's fair for the Red Sox to get a little extra scrutiny. That's what happens when you bring Alex Cora back as your manager and you've had your own scandals. And um, that's that's part of the package. And I think Cora has obviously been worth bringing back. Um, he's obviously helped the team, but that is part of what happens. And I think those two things combined with the timing of the struggles, it's fair for that thought to cross your mind. But you're, I mean, you're right that you can just look it up. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. not that hard to just look it up. It's it would be a nice story, and if the spin rates supported it, that would be something to definitely look into and report on, and that would be fair journalism. But yeah, you're right. I mean, you can't just look at the struggles and say, this must be it without looking at the data that is right there that shows that the spin rates haven't really changed. Um, they've changed a little. I mean, Shaughnessy specifically called out Garrett Richards, whose spin rates have like only gone up since this has happened. I mean, it's just... <laughs> It just doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. It is it is lazy, and um, I really think the explanation is just that they were never as good as they were, and now they're not as bad as they have been for the last couple of days. I certainly expect Martin Perez to start pitching into the third inning, at least, um, going <laughs> yeah. forward. I don't think this is who he is either, but, I mean, it's something in the middle, and that's, that's the way this happens. It's still, I mean, this is... We're coming off a 60-day season, which I don't know about you, but it's kind of throwing me off that there's still so much left of the season. Um, I mean, last season it was already over by now. So um, there's still a lot of time for regression and we're going to see guys regress to and from the mean in a couple different uh, directions a few more times this season. It's just the way it goes. Um, but you're right. I mean, it was just lazy journalism by, I think mostly the expected people, some unexpected people. I'm not going to call anybody else specifically other than Jonasy, but um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely lazy. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. But I want to I want to stick with the rotation. Um, Brian and I have done this a few times already. It's becoming a theme. Uh, we did it for a staff roundtable on the site earlier this year, but it is something that I continue to be interested in. Um, this group of five in the rotation has been healthy all year. It's been the they've been the only five starters really all season, other than a spot start here or there from Tanner Hoke. How are you ranking these guys right now for the rest of the season, one through five? Well, I'll preface it by saying uh, that the way that I ranked them a few weeks ago for the roundtable was Richards one, uh, two was Eovaldi for me, three was Erod, uh, four was Perez, and five was Pavetta. 
Um, I would change that a little bit right now. Uh, number one for me would be Eovaldi, who played the role of stopper for the Sox yesterday in a super important win. Um, I think he's definitely been the most consistent guy stuff-wise. Um, number two for me would continue to be Garrett Richards, uh, a guy whose stuff is good enough to get him out of situations. Um, he's been walking a tightrope lately, but I still feel pretty confident in him. Um, number three, that's where things get dicey because um, I want to say Erod, but I think I have to bump him down a little bit. I actually feel a little bit better about uh, Martin Perez than I do about him. And I know that they've both had their struggles lately. Um, but one of the things that stood out to me when, from looking at the uh, Chad Jennings article in particular was uh, Erod's spin rates for his pitches and basically, you know, a lot of things about his pitches, his velos and, and all sorts of stuff have been bananas. Uh, all over the place uh, this year. And I, I feel like he's not really fully healthy right now. So it's tough for me to trust him uh, going forward. Maybe it's not maybe it's not health. Maybe it's just simply the fact that he didn't pitch at all last year. And I don't know how to uh, place that moving forward. Um, and then I'd put Pavetta. And I'd actually put Erod last right now because I just have no clue um, what what you are getting from him at this point. Wow. Yeah. I don't think I'd go that far. Um, I mean, I think I agree with your general points and more than anything, this exercise just has me kind of concerned about the rotation going forward. Um, Cause I finding reasons to worry about everybody. I think of has to be number one. Um, I really don't think there's an argument in any other direction there. He's, been their best overall pitcher this or starting pitcher this season and he's been their best lately so i mean i think he's a clear number one which in and of itself is a problem when you're a playoff contending team if nathan ovaldi's your clear number one (laughs) but after that i mean i think you could make an argument for any order i mean i think for rodriguez the argument is that the peripherals have still looked pretty good. His stuff is still looking solid. It's just the command isn't there. Um, Richards, he's working his way out of trouble. But my concern is that he continues to get into her, get into trouble. And the deeper we get into the season, the more worried I get just because he hasn't thrown this many innings. I mean, if he throws six and two thirds in his next start, um, that'll be his highest inning total for a season since 2015 and we still got a long way to go in the season so that concerns me a little bit and then Pavetta and Perez I'm just not really sure are that good um that said I mean I think if I had to do an order I think I would go Avaldi, Richards, Rodriguez, Pavetta, Perez but again I mean that last four I think I could put in any order and I could probably make an argument and I would not feel very good about that argument um it's just kind of a mess yeah, I agree with that. It's not like I have a gap in there at all. I have a gap, you know, there's a gap between one and two, and there's a gap yeah, between two and three. Um, but then, like, you know, with those last three, man, just throw them in a I bucket. I don't even have that big of a gap between two and three, to be honest. Yeah. No. I a think little that's bit. Fair. I mean, a little bit. but it's it's And it's really just the innings for Richards that scare me. It's not even anything to do with this performance right now. It's just the deeper we get into the season, it's – 
uncharted territory for him, basically, since, I mean, I lived in Massachusetts the last time he threw more than 76 and a third innings. And that was a long time ago. That was 2015. So, yeah, um, that's concerning. Yeah. Wow. 2015. I was living in D.C. at that time. So, yeah, <laughs> that's that is some time ago. ago. Um, yeah. I, I will say, though, um, the thing that I just keep going back to with Richards, though, is just the stuff when he is on. Um, he is the pitcher who I've seen look better than any other pitcher, including Eovaldi when he's been at his best. I, I think back to the uh, start that Richards had against the Mets where his stuff was just super crisp and that curveball was electric and the fastball was being located but also had that sick tail on the end of it. Um, when his stuff is right, he is by far the best, I think, in the rotation. Hmm. I think I'd probably quibble with that. Um, I think if everybody was at their peak, um, at least peak that we've seen this year, I might take a Valdi, but again, I don't think it's that. Um, I don't think it's that far apart that it's worth the argument. And I think that is, I think that is right. Um, generally, and that is at least compared to the other three. And that's, why I had him number two, but even, I mean, same thing with Evaldi at number one, having Richards as, even if we want to call him a clear number two, is a little concerning. But, I mean, the other flip side of that is I've been kind of saying that about this group all season, and they still, this last little stretch, not included, I mean, they've been very good for this team and a big reason why they're here. So, um, they keep defying expectations. I don't know why they can't keep doing it from now. But, obviously, the big looming presence over this rotation is Chris Sale um, starting to work his way back. He threw a bullpen in Worcester this afternoon. Um, still a little bit ways away. His return certainly not imminent, but the shadow's growing a little bit larger. We see his path on the horizon. Are they going to be able to sustain themselves until Sale gets back, or do they have I mean, do they have to go get reinforcements soon before Sale gets back? Well, I think if uh, Bloom is, is serious about winning this division, that he needs to get reinforcements before Sale gets back. And I think he needs to be very aggressive. And I think that you can keep both the vision that he has for the future um, and add to this team. Um, and, and I think he needs to be splashy. I, I really do. And I, I think it's, it's got to be Max Scherzer. And I know that that's like a pie in the sky thing, but when you look at the guys who are available uh, via free agency uh, coming up, you know, he's one of those guys that has just a half year left. So his price will be high, but it won't be as high as it should be for a guy like Max Scherzer. Um, And and he's a guy who you would want to keep uh, in this rotation and sign moving forward for like, you know, I don't know, between two and four year deal. Um, And I think that, you know, that also is just such a death punch to the other teams in the division, you know, especially as we look at uh, the Tampa Bay Rays potentially losing glass now and uh, the Yankees rotation concerns and, you know, Toronto has plenty of rotation concerns. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, can you imagine going into the playoffs with a healthy Scherzer healthy sale, and then only having to deal with some of the uh, uncertainty uh, behind that um, with the guys in that rotation. I just think that would be the move. Uh, It would be very Dombrowski, but I think that it would be uh, 
a, a great move. Yeah, I mean, very Dombrowski is not a bad thing. And Dombrowski did go out and get Max Scherzer. He was with the Tigers at that point, right? Yeah, 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 he did, yep. So it is literally Dombrowski move. Uh, a couple of things about Scherzer, or I guess really one thing about Scherzer that's concerning, and I don't know if you saw this because it just happened like an hour before we recorded. Uh, he just got put on the injured list with a groin injury. Um, yeah. Doesn't seem that serious, but muscle injuries are always a little bit concerning, especially someone of his age. Um so that does concern me, not to the point where I would say do not trade for Max Scherzer, obviously. Um, but that is something to keep in mind. I will just generally, though, I do agree that they need reinforcements. Um, I think Tanner Houck does play a big part in this. I've, I mean, I've become a big Tanner Houck guy over the last year or so. And I think he, I mean, his return does legitimately change my view of the rotation, at least a little bit. Um, if one of these guys pitches their way out of it, like Martin Perez continues to just look like he's not a major leaguer for another three starts or so, I wouldn't hate Tanner Houck taking that spot in the rotation. So I guess they could wait a little bit in my mind, but not super long. Um, and I do, I mean, I do think they need reinforcements, whether it's Max Scherzer or whoever else is out there. John Gray, I've never really been a big John Gray guy, but um, I know he's a name that people have been throwing out in the rotation uh, rotation trade mix. Um, but I do I do think they need somebody like that. Maybe a Herman Marquez, that would be a splashy yeah. that would cost a lot more. But, um, I like that name, the depth chart. I'm just looking at their depth chart. It would probably cost more than Bloom wants to give up, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I think it. I think they definitely need rotation help. But is that is that the number one need for them at the deadline to you? Yeah, definitely. Um, because I think what that allows you to do is take one of these guys out of the rotation, and the guy who I would take out of the rotation would be Pavetta. I think his his stuff would play best in the bullpen. Um, you know, and and I think that that would give you you know another arm there. Um, and you could also use Sale in the bullpen until he's fully ready to come back into the rotation as well. Um, so I think it gives you a lot more flexibility. Um, I think the the only other need you can really uh, pinpoint on this team would be like first or second base. Second base, I just don't think is worth upgrading. So I think if you were looking at anything, it would be first. And Keaton and I were talking about Herman Marquez as well, the name you just mentioned. And we were thinking about a Herman Marquez, CJ Cron package uh, coming from from uh, the Rockies because, you know, he's only got like a half year left on his deal there. Uh, been a decent bat for them. But at the same time, like, I don't know if CJ Cron's going to be better than Bobby Dahlbeck, uh, especially as he continues to work on things and figure things out. And I'm not that worried about the Red Sox offense. Like, would it be nice to have another bat? Yes. But, you know, why not ask if you're going to deal with the the Nationals, why not ask for Josh Harrison or, you know, some other veteran type guy like that? I wouldn't hate getting another veteran bat into this mix, but I don't think it needs to be splashy. It's the secondary move to me. I mean, I think that makes sense. I just I don't think it's going to be as easy 
to transition any of these starters out of the rotation. I don't think Pavetta is going into the bullpen very quietly. Um, he has a history of hating going to the bullpen. I mean, with the Phillies, he was vocal about that. He believed he was a starter, and I mean, he's put up good numbers this year. I don't really imagine that going very well um, to the point where I don't even think they would do it right now unless he really struggled for his next few starts. I think it would be Perez leaving the rotation, and I don't think that's a really easy transition and i mean it might even be a dfa rather than putting him in the bullpen and i don't know that they would do that um so i mean i think i think the rotation probably is the biggest need but i think it's a little more complicated and i think first base i don't know i mean part of me thinks that like just go get another bat and like really lengthen the core of this lineup in a year where nobody can really hit um having adding another star level bat to the lineup uh could really make this group special and the name i have in mind and this is something i brought it up last week um very quickly and i still haven't put a ton of thought into it so i may change my mind when i put more thought into it but joey gallo is a guy that i've been thinking about um who could fill in at first base in the short term and then longer term he could move to a corner outfield spot or he could move to um dh or i mean he's flexible enough in places where the red sox are probably going to be need help and i mean he obviously has otherworldly power he's an on-base machine he's walking 19 percent of the time this year i think he would add an element to this lineup and really bring it i mean they're already pretty elite as a lineup i mean this would solidify them as one of the best lineups in baseball um so I don't know that it's the biggest need, but it seems easier to me to maneuver, and I do think it would bring them up another level, um, even if it's not necessarily the way that makes the most sense. I don't hate that move, um, but it, it would have to be for the right price. I think that, that yeah, it, that well, that's it, the thing, and he's under control for next year as well, which will add to the price. And I don't think I don't really see Heimblum making a deal like that, but just in my dream world, I think it could make sense for the right deal. You know, I just don't know how they value uh, him with a year left on his deal. He's not having like an overly impressive season, especially for Joey Gallo's standards. Um, you know, if they were to take like uh, four or five years of Bobby Dahlbeck for one or two, one and a half years of uh, Joey Gallo, like yeah, sure, I would, I would make that move because I probably think need that... to throw a prospect in there too. I would think. Yeah, I don't know. If if it was like Dahlbeck and Ryan Zephyrjohn, sure. Like I'd be I'd be very happy with that. Um but I I don't know if what that cost is going to be. Sometimes these guys get moved and we look at the deal and we're like, "Wow, that's way less than I thought it was going to cost." And sometimes it goes the opposite way. So, it's it's just impossible to read from a year-to-year basis as to how clubs are going to be valuing these guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I think my more general point was just that i think if the if the scherzer price isn't there or if scherzer's health is messed up or whatever um i'm not really super enamored with the um starting pitching on the trade market at least right now that i've seen and so i might just try and zig uh wherever else is zagging and just add a big bat but again i mean if it's not gallo there's probably another one out there that i just haven't thought of yet I wanted to ask you, Matt, so with with Scherzer being the only real big name uh, that seems like an obvious trade candidate at this point, um, you know, the the price could get high for a guy who even has just a half year left on his deal. 
but he's also the only impact guy. How high of a prospect piece would you be willing to go to get his services for the rest of this year? Uh, I mean, it's, you know, how much I love putting together trade packages. Um, <laughs> like who's mean, off the table for you? Off the table would definitely be Casas, obviously. Casas downs to Ran Jimenez. Um, probably Tanner Howe, Connor Seabold, um, Aldo Ramirez. I've always been a big Brian Bayo guy. I mean, I'm just looking at Sox prospects rankings right now. I probably go to 13, 14. Ronaldo Hernandez, Jay Groom is probably where I'd start. Um, really being willing to do it. I don't know if that would be enough or not. And I mean, I think I would throw in, I would at least consider some of the guys above that, Thad Ward, um, Brian Mata, Noah Song, guys with some injury history I would think about, but I think I'd really be comfortable starting in that 13, 14 with Hernandez and Groom. Hmm. Okay. Is that too much for you? No, no, definitely not. I mean, I, I'm uh, kind of the opposite. I would go, I, I think the the benefit of this move uh, is so large that I would go as far up as somebody like Jeter Downs. The only two guys who I would not include uh, in a deal like this would be uh, Casas or uh, Jaron Durant for me. Really? Oh, I definitely yeah. wouldn't give up Downs or Jimenez. I could probably talk about anybody after that. I, I don't think I would touch the top four for sure. So it's it, the groin thing does worry me a little bit i mean muscle injuries with a guy who's approaching 40 yeah is a little scary to me uh but i mean again i mean there's gonna be time between now i'm assuming the nationals would take those trade ducks down to the wire unless he really blew them away so we'll have time to figure out the health and my opinion may change there but i at as of as of now i would not touch downs or jimenez for a rental for sure yeah that's fair and I don't. I mean, I definitely don't think Bloom would either. And this is, I'm not generally on the same wavelength as Bloom, but I think in this case, I am. Um. All right. So that's let's move on from the rotation a little bit. Um. I know you and Keaton talked a lot about uh, the draft in the last show. We're not going to spend too too much time on that, but I do want to get to uh, Fangraphs first mock draft. Um. Very interesting write up in the Red Sox section, which was actually maybe the shortest in the entire mock draft, but packed a punch. Um, so Kevin Goldstein, former Astros front office man, um, he said that where it is that Jack Leiter of Vanderbilt uh, at one point this spring looked like the number one overall pick is trying to price himself down to Boston and wants to land there, and that Boston would love that as well. Um, what he means by pricing himself down is that He's throwing out massive bonus demands for the top three teams, hoping that they'll get scared and let him fall to number four. That doesn't always work, but it's a strategy that players use sometimes. Um, but that is, I mean, that is interesting. Is that the ideal scenario for the Red Sox? Is that lighter kind of games it to get down to number four? I think so. I, I, I'm like one of these Vandy boys or we're bust. I, I, you know, we ranked our uh, our options there, and um, you know, for me, it would be lighter rocker than Henry Davis would be my preference. Um, but lighter for me is the clear, clear favorite. And of course, 
you know, just like is the OTM curse here. We record our draft episode and then this mock <laughs> uh, dropped the next day. Um, but yeah, it was really nice to see that blurb. Um, and I don't blame Leiter. I mean, he's he's a college arm. Uh, he obviously wants to come into a better situation um, than those top three teams offer. Um, the top three teams in the draft, if you haven't uh, looked at this, it's it's Pittsburgh, uh, it's Texas, and then it's Detroit, you know, three teams that are still very far away. Um, and if you're someone like Jack Leiter, I mean, you look at the Red Sox system, you're immediately going to be the top pitching prospect, and you're, what, two years away from the major leagues if everything goes well? So I, I think that that's a, a really ideal situation, good offense, good core, good organization. So I, I buy it, and it seems awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's definitely good. I don't know that I have lighter number one. Um, really has nothing to do with lighter. I just get scared a little by pitchers, um, similar to the way I get scared by pitchers. And Henry Davis is kind of throwing me for a loop a little bit as well. I'm not even sure if I would want him to stay a catcher or not. Not that I would complain that they, if they did get him because he's an elite bat and leader looks like. Um, an elite hitter i think i would like in an ideal world and i it, by all accounts it's not going to happen i think i would like one of the top two high school shortstops and meyer and lawler i just i mean i they just seem like safer profiles i'd rather have the up the middle infielder um but that said i mean if we're talking about the college players which it seems like the red sox have pretty much only been connected to college players for at least the last month I think Leiter would probably be number one on my list, and I would be absolutely stoked um, if that actually happened. Um, like I said, this doesn't always work for players. Leiter can say whatever he wants, but when push comes to shove, if, say, Detroit takes him at number three, I really don't think he's going to turn down whatever bonus he gets from them, unless it's, like, insulting, obviously. But, I mean, I don't think he's going to go back to school. So we'll see if it works out. But I think that it's at least encouraging that one of the top prospects if not the top prospect in the draft is act according to fangraphs at least actively trying to get on the red sox i mean that bodes well for them as an organization yeah it definitely does um and uh i should mention that you know when i said later was my one and rocker was my two um i'm assuming that meyer uh marcelo meyer and uh lawler do not get to the red sox um but i I agree with you that those guys would be ahead for me. Meyer, probably not. Lawler, I've seen kind of all over the place. I've seen Lawler fall down to like five or six in a couple mock drafts. Um, so, I'm, I mean, the top of this draft is very strange, which I think was expected after last year got totally wiped out um, for amateur ball. But, um, yeah, I think I think we're going to see a couple surprises in the top few picks. Um, you so still can't convince me that Texas is going to pass on the local kid. I don't think so either, but it's, I mean, I've seen enough mocks that I'm at least, at least keeping an eye on it. But yeah, I mean, it makes, it kind of makes too much sense. I actually, honestly, a couple months ago, I was pretty convinced that the Red Sox were going to get a Frelick from BC. I no longer think that's going to happen, but I I would hate that. I would too. I thought they were going to do, when there was like whispers of them going under slot, I was like, oh, they're going to get Frelick and people are going to forgive them for going under slot. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't worry. I don't think it's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, couple other things uh, before we finish out. Um, Josh Taylor and Adam Adovino are 
kind of set up to be the primary seventh and eighth guys kind of forming the bridge to Matt Barnes. Um, is that a duo you can see sticking in that role the whole year? Um, do they need to go get somebody else for the bullpen? Um, does somebody like Nick Favetta slot into the, one of those spots potentially? I mean, how do you see the bridge to Barnes kind of shaping up as the year goes on? I'm totally confident with that as the bridge to Barnes for the rest of the year. I cannot believe the complete 180 I've done on Josh Taylor. Um, he is just – I've never seen a pitcher turn it around um, quite as as uh, much as he has. You know, the first month of the season I wanted to DFA the guy, and now he looks like one of the best pitchers in baseball. Uh, I can't imagine how much you're enjoying this, Matt. I mean, I'm a big Josh Taylor guy. I am a little concerned about him looking forward. I wrote about him a couple days ago. There's some issues with his fastball location, uh, but Cora's done a very good job of making sure that he's um, facing mostly lefties, even with the three batter rule. Um, And he's been holding his own against righties too, but it's uh, been a little more shaky, a little, it's looked a little less sustainable. I'm a little worried about him as a top three bullpen arm. I don't, really think that puts them in a good position um i definitely think he has a role in the bullpen going forward but i do think they need somebody i feel a little more comfortable with stepping up whether that be i mean i could see that being somebody in the organization whether it be somebody like a pavetta um although i already said i don't really see that happening or a darwinson hernandez or a Sawamora. i think those guys have a skill set that i just find a little more sustainable in that late inning role i also think i mean they should at the deadline, go get. They don't need to go get the best reliever on the market, but go get a solid seventh inning guy to add to the mix. I mean, I like Josh Taylor, but I just I don't see him as a top three guy, even as well as he's pitching right now. Yeah, it's fair to ex- expect him to regress a little bit from being unhittable right now. But that slider, man, it is such a weapon at this oh, point. The slider is no issue. It's the fastball that I'm a little worried about, but yeah, the slider yeah. is disgusting. Yeah, it's a great pitch, and it's nice to see Adam Adovino turn it around. It's like kind of funny how the bullpen figured itself out just as the starting rotation was going into the tank. I mean, that's what happens when with good teams, and you need a little luck and timing to work out, and it's worked out for the Red Sox. This is one of those things. I'm interested, though. Why didn't you mention Whitlock in that mix? Whitlock is, I don't. Unless they change it, and it's nothing to do with his skills, I just don't think they want to use him on back-to-back days. And I don't think that you, especially once we get into the stretch run, I don't really think you can be one of the top three if you're not, if you're kind of being used with kid gloves like he is. And, I mean, to be clear, I don't have a problem with them treating him like that. He's coming off Tommy John, so it makes sense. But I just, the workload is really the concern there more than anything. Yeah, that, uh, that, um... At bat uh, versus um, Guerrero a couple days ago yeah. was really impressive with those three straight fastballs. Just his fastball, he gets so much extension. Um, Eck was talking about it on the broadcast. I mean, it probably plays like 101, 102 with how much extension he gets. Yeah, I mean, he is, like I said, I, I'm totally in on the skill. It's, it's more just the way they're using him um, more yeah. than anything else. Yep, that makes sense. Uh, one last thing before we get into a couple listener questions. Uh, All-Star voting, first round of All-Star voting was released this week. Uh, unsurprising, the Red Sox have two starters as of right now on the left side of the infield, Xander and Devers, both leading their positions. 
anybody else that should be starting, or is it just going to be them two? I think you could make a case for JD, but Shohei Otani exists, yeah. um, so that's going to be pretty tough. And then Verdugo's probably played enough to have uh, played well enough to have his name be mentioned in the mix, but I don't think he's quite quite starter level. How do they? Do they do the all? I should I should absolutely know this, but I don't. Do they do all star voting outfielders by position, or is it just three outfielders? I think they do do it by position. I have no idea what position Verdugo would be. He's been yeah, all over either. the place. <laughs> it's a very that's a tough one, but I mean, I think uh, to get to the question, I think you're right. It is just those two. Martinez absolutely playing well enough, but yeah, I mean, you can't you can't overcome Shohei Otani. I mean, he's the no. He's the star of baseball right now. Well-deserved. So, Martinez think, will make the team, but he won't start. Do you think he's the uh, leader for AL MVP right now? Uh, probably. Um, I mean, he's definitely got the narrative going for him. Because um, Vlad. Think I, would, I think I would probably lean towards Vlad, but if the voting happened today, I think it would go to Otani. I would I would think it would be Otani as well. Um you know, I had a friend ha- actually who worked for the All Star All Star Game, uh, one of the polling places. So uh, the ballots, they count the ballots that would come in. He, he had this job during high school, and it is a ridiculously uh, corrupt and unscientific process. So, well, I mean, uh, I already knew that. Remember the yeah, Royals, it, whatever that was, like five years ago, ten uh, years ago. They like stuff. Yeah, had, I mean, it is what it is. It's I'm not it's mad a about ridiculous it. process. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's only a, yeah. it's, it's a only miracle starters. any team gets uh gets starters in uh like the Red Sox. I don't know. It's just I basically what he said was that you know the from big teams they would get like actual fan ballots and from small market teams. They'd get like neatly packaged, all punched through by a computer uh, ballots. <laughs> that kind of rules. I mean, if you're willing to go to that length to vote somebody <laughs> in the All Star game, go for it, man. I'm not going to fight you. I'm absolutely not going to cast a single vote for the All Star game, but if people no. want to do it, you can go right up. Yeah. Um, all right. So, a couple of listener questions. We already kind of talked about this. Um, Angel Rondon asked, Will the Red Sox need a first baseman by the deadline? And if so, who do they pick up? Um, do you think they will add some, do you think Bobby Dalbeck will be replaced or is he the first baseman for the rest of the year? Um, I think it's a true coin flip here. I'm going to lean. No, I think that they don't replace him. I agree. I think if they do replace him, it's in the organization, whether it be Gonzalez, Chavis, Santana in a weird world, maybe in Tristan Casas if something goes crazy, although I don't really think that's going to happen. Um, but as much as I would like to see that move happen, I don't think, I think it's going to be Dalvik. Yeah. Um, and then last question from VLTC. Uh, say Matt Barnes finishes the year at roughly his current play, uh, pace. Uh, what kind of contract does he get? And do you want to get, do you want the Red Sox to give him that contract? Oh God, this is custom for you, Matt. I, mean, I hate this. Yeah, I I uh I think he gets a three year or four year deal uh after this year and I think it's pretty high money and I don't want the Red Sox to give it to him. What did Liam Hendricks get? Uh he got like four and fifty or something like that. He got three I, and fifty four. Three and fifty four. So yeah, Barnes so isn't beating Hendricks. No. I'll say he gets two plus an option. 
I don't know what the rest of the class looks like. I don't know if he's clearly the best or not. Um, I'll say he's going to get 232 with like a vesting option or something. Um, I would give him that, but I don't want them to. It's been very hard being a Matt Barnes fan with him in arbitration. I cannot imagine what being a Matt Barnes fan will be like if he gets a big contract and does not pitch well. So, um, if he gets a big contract, I just, for my own sanity's sake, I would like it to be somewhere else. So yeah, can go to the National piece. League. Yeah, go, go. So people don't bother me every time he throws a ball. <laughs> All right, well, that is going to do it for today's show. Uh, Jake, thank you for hopping on for us this week. Of course. Um, you can subscribe to us on any podcast uh provider that you may listen to uh please leave us a rating or and a review uh tell us tell your friends about us uh you can follow us on twitter or on the over the monster account at over the monster jake is at dev jake and uh you can find all of our writing at over the and we'll be back with you next week